ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. Yo, 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 beautiful people. How's it going? Hope you're all doing well wherever you are in the world. Coming to you from the beautiful sunshine in the UK, just sitting in my back garden now as I record this, you might hear a few birds in the background tweet tweeting away, but it really is a beautiful day, it's been a beautiful week in the UK as well, which could be very symbolic as well, which is what is actually going on on the planet, I definitely feel that what is going on is actually awakening, a mass awakening, the more and more I am seeing it unfold, um, the more I'm witnessing people around me, people on social media and people all around the world, uh, everyone is questioning, they really are, so many people are questioning, it's such a beautiful thing and I just want to say that you, all you guys out there who are thinking outside of the box, from the bottom of my heart, I really do love you because we're all in this together and um, this is what this podcast has always been about, it's always about being about trying to raise people's frequencies and vibrations and just make people realise their true power and their true essence of who they truly are and I definitely feel and I can see a mass awakening of what is going on now on the planet, I know it, it, for some people it might seem like a bad thing but I promise you guys it really isn't, there is a huge um, shift that is happening on the planet, yes we are seeing a lot of different players being played out from the perspective, from the from the perspective of the sort of um, of the of the of the rulers or the hidden hand, if you want to call them that, there obviously there is a lot of players that are playing out from their their behalf. But one big positive that I recognised, um, and it really does validate everything that we got ask all of us guys have been researching and and thinking about in the way that we've been living our lives, is that they are running scared of us. They really are because. If you look around at the world now, there's they are trying to they're pulling down podcasts left, right, and centre. They're pulling down media posts. I've obviously been I've been um, at the back end of that as well. But there's many different conversations and podcasts and posts all around the world that have been sensitised. And guys, really, this is actually a good thing because it is it is actually just proven that they are scared of us, and our voice is more powerful than than theirs. They're afraid of our voice. And it really is just showing us and validating to us how powerful we truly are. So take gratitude in that, really revel in that, and realize that we have the power. But anyway, guys, it really is interesting times, as you know. I just wanted to mention as well that there was a re- I came across this really funny thing that I wanted to bring your attention to. And it was, a, um, I'm not sure if you've seen this, but it was basically on Fox News in America. I, basically, someone sent it to us. I never watched the news, but someone sent this up to us, sent this over to us. And it was basically a statement by a guy in America who was quite high up. And he was talking about how, saying that we should be, not be allowed to touch each other ever again. And um, I was just straight away, as soon as I seen that, I started laughing my head off. And I just, the first thing I thought of was this is definitely a guy who's never, ever, never had sex in his whole entire life, it really is, it's hilarious, and he's definitely a virgin to say the least, 
And I also just wanted to bring your t- t- guys' attention as well. If you go to um, Bill Gates's Instagram or go to Bill Gates's Twitter page or even go to Bill Gates's um, YouTube videos where he speaks, the amount of people that are on there and that are actually um, writing comments towards him, telling him that they're aware of what he's trying to do, it's absolutely breath a breath of fresh air to be honest, because it really does highlight. It really is a beautiful thing just to scroll through the comments and just see how how the amount of mass people who are over there who are actually shedding sort of shedding the light on on what is actually going on and up on this planet. So it just like I said, it's just another thing that reaffirms to me that more people are not buying this bullshit anymore. And there really is a huge shift that is coming on the planet. In the next few weeks, I'm going to do another episode of Observe My Thoughts where I'm really going to dive into that coming shift and how I see it from more of a metaphysical perspective because I can definitely feel it from an internal level but also from a physical level looking around at the world. I can definitely see it. More people are waking up. But anyway, just to add to that mix and add to that, that global awakening and that global shift, this week's podcast really is a powerful one. It's with a guy called Rodrigo Montenegro. He is a brilliant mind, he really is. And this one was a real pleasure to sit down with. Rodrigo is one of the leading neuroscientists in the world. But not only that, he has a very interesting interest in consciousness, lucid dreaming, astral projection, the out-of-body experience, the pineal gland, psychedelics, and many other stuff. He really is a fascinating mind, to say the least. And we had a great conversation. We we got into so much stuff in this one, as you will see. But what I really love about Rodrigo is, yes, he's got a background. He has a background in neuroscience, and he, he sort of has a more of a sort of a, a solid sort of foundation of science behind him when he talks about these topics. But at the same time, he is somebody who is also very understandable that there is something more, and maybe science can't get to yet. So the bridge of them two, of the, of of having that perspective inside of yourself and the ability to, to sort of to to sit in the middle, to have to sit in the middle and explore both avenues, really does bring a very important and interesting dynamic to this conversation, in my opinion, because we do really have to try and bridge that gap between sort of the woo and sort of um, the science. And I do feel that Rodrigo is definitely someone who's very open-minded and he can bridge and he's somebody who can bring them to both in a conversation. This one really is a good one, guys. If you can, check out the Patreon page or the one-off donation donation option and support the podcast. It really would help me to keep doing what I'm doing. You guys out there are awesome. Keep seeking and let's get this awakening going. Peace out. So I was just trying to toy. I've got a few questions wrote down. I'm just trying to toy the best place to start. But I think the place that I would like to start is so if you having um, a background in neuroscience, which is one of the real reasons why I want to get you on the podcast. But with the the dynamic of you looking at OBEs and lucid dreaming, what do you think the combination of having a background in neuroscience and looking at them topics bring to the table? Well, I think uh, the, the the first thing I'll is that. that uh, neuroscience uh, gives you a grounding uh, for understanding what's happening in the brain and so from that perspective what uh, you have 
is that you can understand based on you know the experiences that you may have uh, if that if those theories is those notions that are uh, put forward has an explanation of OBEs, lucid dreaming, uh, correspond to your experience. So I think that you know the, the, the grounding of neurosciences gives you, uh, when you have experience, certainly a, 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 a vision to allow a, a better appreciation, a better understanding of what are the theories that may be more uh, uh, framing the reality of the phenomena. Uh, that you experience because so you, you, you as well you've had a, a lot you've also had on a personal level you've had experiences with OBEs as well were you, at a, were you ever at a point where I mean because having the experience of OBEs does open your, your mind and your perspective to, to different possibilities but obviously you know you look at um, a lot of mainstream science it's 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 very singular in, in the way it thinks how does how does them two dimensions within your own mind of of, ha- of having the expansiveness in yourself to understand that there is more to to meet stride with this world but at the same time having a solid basis do you think there's an importance of trying to bridge that gap between yes, that absolutely no uh, you are totally spot on in terms of you know how science should move forward mm. uh, the reality is that today's science is that's one of the problem really in our uh, body experience neuroscience or uh, uh, science today is that there is a, a, a lack of understanding of the phenomenology that is associated with all body experience so you have like for example certain theories that are trying to uh, uh, post or uh, a notion, a, a theory that doesn't encompass the entirety of the phenomenology itself. So, uh, and the problem is uh, is uh, a reductionism in, in in that science. So, I believe that we should continue doing the science, the hard science, the heartbeat, to try to understand better uh, those phenomena. But the uh, the fact is that today we really need to look. Uh, a little bit beyond uh, the uh, concepts of you know the brain and what's happening in the brain to try to include the uh, phenomenology so including and trying to intersect our knowledge of the phenomenology with the knowledge of the brain and trying to understand what are the bases what are the characteristics the neurophysiological correlate that are associated with each phenomenon better because at the present moment we are not there yet to understand or all those you know phenomena or you know even to have a theory that would be able to encompass and to explain all this phenomena so in terms of um obviously the big question with this as well i know the work, work you've been doing is the con- question of consciousness how do you think studying the brain can affect the research on consciousness so uh um the, uh, the 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 study on the brain uh, and consciousness uh, are uh entangled uh, in itself and i think that our uh, perspective today is either materialist or either we are um, proposing a concept of consciousness has been uh, that uh, emitter of you know a radio you're receiving the frequencies yeah. of you know the radio but i think that that analogy in itself is is uh, is very limited uh, and i will tell you why because uh, when you think for example even for you know a dream state we know exactly what are the characteristics of the brain there are propelling there are inducing the REM stage so for example you take a tack and uh, a cat and you uh, cross 
section some of those areas and what's going to happen you, you the, the cat's not going to have anymore the dream so i think that we need to come up with a solution that can at the same time take into consideration the brain has a source in itself of consciousness and understanding that the consciousness in itself is also uh, uh, inducing our perception so um, maybe giving you you know a few examples that are going to you know uh, uh, give you a, a better uh, uh, perspective on what i'm trying to say uh, if consciousness is the source of our thought uh, then we have to come of course with an explanation and a model to explain that but at the present moment what we see is that for example certain aspects of the brain drive consciousness and without them we don't have consciousness so we need to now cross this bridge and try to understand where the brain is and when the brain is so important and where the consciousness is so important because the two are really you know very important and uh, entangled in in the process when you, when you were speaking before about the 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 dreams dreamscape i don't know if you've i don't know why this has come to my mind here but it's just it's just interesting i think it ties into a bit what you were saying you it's interesting because I don't know if you've ever ever sort of um, thought about this, but when when we are in this room now, there is obviously lights and stuff that's that going through different processes, and we're having the ability to see these objects. But there's also the argument that everything that we see here is not really there. This is table's not solid. These lights aren't solid and stuff. But also, um, but people can people in the minds can fathom that on a physical level, there seems to be light coming in from here. But however, when you dream or you have an out-of-body experience there must also be sort of some inner light or um do you think that could be tied to consciousness could consciousness be the the mechanism to that yes it just I, operates on a on the physical level and the internal level when you dream or something that's exactly it yeah i mean you have expressed it better than i yeah. you know tried to uh, uh to explain it because that that's the thing when you have for example an out-body experience you can see you perceive yourself you know thinking as you are now with you know the clarity of thought with uh, uh, rationality with memory with understanding with control uh, but when you are in the body you express the same kind of characteristics so how does that uh, uh, how consciousness is expressed within the brain so for example you have an out-body experience you come back how does that consciousness transfer this information to the brain because you come back you are using the brain as a tool to access those memories so there is a transfer there must be a transfer so in the same uh, characteristic is also true you can have an experience that you have you know before the uh, projection the out-body experience and that you remember when you are outside so how is the connection made how is that possible we don't know that the fact is that what we see is that consciousness is really you know what drives consciousness but it's not a, just a one-way stream only i think that you know the brain participates in that reality and the fact is that uh, through the process of evolution we will be able to uh, tap into mechanisms of the brain to expand our mind and to control those mechanisms a little bit better yeah. and 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 be able to perceive those uh, uh, characteristics that we are talking about so for example uh, we know uh, that uh, meditators for example they have 
the ability uh, to access their subconscious mind much more easily. So how does that work? We, we're just starting to understand those mechanisms. And so maybe through you know, this understanding of you know, a little bit how the brain works and process those subconscious and conscious mechanisms, we'll start to understand a little bit those mechanisms. But I think that we are just um, starting uh, this whole process of understanding of, you know, uh, the mechanism, the dual mechanisms of, you know, consciousness inside the brain. Yeah, there's so many. I've got like five questions in my mind here. <laughs> the one I'm going to try and take, I definitely want to, to start diving into the, the deeper interest in OBEs. Yes. But um, in particular, um, you mentioned there about evolution. Mm-hmm. And I was, a question that came to my mind there in terms of evolution was that, you you brought up the, the state of what's going on when someone's in in deep meditation and to me i don't know on a neurological level what's what's going on there but i can only see from an experience of my own subjectivity that it seems to be that it's um it's a non-local experience an experience where you go within yourself to to sort of um access these these sort of states of of, of higher connectivity if mm-hmm. you want to use them words mm-hmm. but it seems to be that i don't know if you've um, I'm just trying to paint a bit of context around the question here, but if you look in the ancient cultures around the past, um, many people, uh, people who I've spoken to on this podcast, make an argument that their human brain development was a little, was a bit different than ours. Not in terms of the the structure of the brain, but in terms of um, in in terms of how their brain was functioning, operating. It's so it seems to be what I've looked into that they their brains were operating from a place of non locality, whereas in this human experience the the monday world that we're living in now it seems to be that a lot people are are operating a lot less from a place of non sort of locality the more sort of in this in the in the box within themselves if you know what i mean do you do you have you do you feel that um i would first love to see if you've if you've if you've had any thoughts around that and also at the same time do you feel that the brain could be actually them parts of the brain which access them sort of um, non-local states could be sort of maybe devolving now in one in the modern day world uh, i don't know about that you know because there's controversy in terms of you know uh, our you know our brain you know continuing their evolution or not are we regressing are the brains you know getting bigger smaller do we have more connectivity are we evolving uh, it's too controversial at the present moment and in any case, whatever happens, you know, it's certainly possibly not a problem of size. Yeah. It's a problem of, you know, effectiveness. You know, what, uh, what we see within the brain is that, for example, you start learning a new capacity. What's happening is that you may use more neural activity for that and then reduces it. you reduce this all those synapses, those neurons that you use because simply you have acquired the skill. And that's very interesting because that comes to what we were saying about the subconscious. So it becomes more subconscious. You don't need more thought to access that state, to access that skill, to do what you are yeah. you know, doing. And so in terms of evolution, it's what we are seeing is that... Uh, if we look at rationality, if we look at the process of, you know, the history of rationality, I mean, since uh, the Enlightenment uh, times, we were starting only, this was 400 years ago, we were starting to think, we we're starting to use the, 
those parts of the brain, the forebrain, and develop our capacity to understand things rational, rationally. But at the same time, maybe we were, uh, we have become less prone to be experiencing certain states such as this non-dual characteristic. And that's very important because what we know today on how the brain works is that the what drive consciousness, we thought that it was conscious thought. In reality, today there are certain theories of consciousness that suggest that what drives our thought is the subconscious. And maybe that condition of non-duality is what uh, would be the expression of our self going forward in terms of evolution. Okay, but there is a, a caveat here to that because, first of all, uh, we need certain characteristics that are non dual for evolution. Non duality is very good, for example, when we are talking. When we're talking, when we are, you know, expressing ourselves, you don't need to have an ego. You don't need to put your ego on the table there. Forget about this. You don't need that. Yeah. You need to be non-dual in those moments. Okay, you are with someone you are discussing. It's a non-ego thing. But you planning your life, you planning the research, that's a more um, egocentric type of thing where you need to use certain aspects of your brain to plan, to research, to think to make connectivity. It doesn't mean, again, that that non-duality cannot be expressed there. Because ah, I, I think that, you know, just to, to finalize here, is that that non-duality today is still very, very badly understood from my point of view. Why? Because people talk about non-duality in a way that is not really um, too... Uh, or expressing the knowledge that that condition expressed. Non-duality for me, or if I was a Buddhist, I would say to you, that is the condition of absolute connection to the entire universe and the understanding of life. So you are at every moment understanding everything there is to life and in connection with the entire life. It means the entire universe. Yeah. Who can say reasonably that the person has expressed that? So you can achieve certain levels of non-duality that are very positive for us as human beings. But I think that we are very far away from expressing that condition of hyper-connectivity, uh, of hyper-consciousness that is often found during out-body experience, specifically near-death experience. Yeah, I wanted to just slightly touch on, um, I know, like I said, there's going to be so many different topics that's going to go off trail here. And I do want to try and get some of these questions asked because they are big ones. But in terms of meditation, yeah, I know you're talking about sort of non-duality in the mind. It's clear to see that when people do are, are very good meditators, it's clear to see that something is definitely happening within uh, on a on a biological level. Are you, have you seen that with the with the data when you've from a neuroscience perspective? Have you took any meditators and sort of analyzed what's going on when they're in them deep states? Well, yeah, I mean, I have studied, you know, the brain of, you know, uh, long-term meditators and, uh, and specifically so because I wanted to compare this with, you know, the results that I had with the research on the vibrational state. And for those who, you know, don't know what are the, what is the vibrational state is those very intense, you know, uh, perception of vibration and tingling and waves of energy that come up and down that are often uh, perceived during uh, sleep spontaneously and that often lead to the condition of the out-body experience. And when we were studying those uh, people who were able to induce that state, what we were seeing is that there were very high uh, gamma wave, uh, so above, you know, 40 hertz. And so uh, 
I was interested in understanding from uh, a neuroscience perspective what was happening in the brain of uh, those meditators who express as well a high you know level of gamma wave uh, and but and the fact is that not all meditations are the same and different meditations induce different types of uh, neurophysiological correlates some of them you will have you know a more alpha type of uh, condition others will be more theta all of them are different but what i was looking at because of course i looked at different types of meditation different types of correlate different types of state but what i was interested in is looking at you know the uh, types of meditation where we were seeing uh, gamma and it's not entirely the same is not the same error is not the same characteristics and what we see with the vibrational state is that the induction the general level of gamma wave that you see within the vibrational state is much uh, beyond the ones that we normally see, the average that you see in in uh, in the brain of meditators, it doesn't mean that it's better or you know worse. I, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that the anyway the neurophysiological correct the areas that are activated during meditation and that induce high gamma are different nonetheless. And and so that's very interesting because that allows you to understand that we have so many capacity in terms of the brain, in terms of the capacity of the brain. There is a, a saying from uh, a quote that uh, uh, that is quite relevant here from William James, uh, one of the father of you know psychology and uh, who was interested in uh, in. Uh, altered states he he said i don't remember the exact quote but one of the things that he said was really interesting is that he said that human performance is always below its potential and so what i'm interested about really uh, and uh, and it's to understand those potentials though the capacity of the brain to uh, overcome limitation but to also expand its ability and to get into those states there are non-dual there are of you know the lucid dream and there are all body experience mm, very uh, very cool answer that by the way i was going to ask you as well i was tr- i was like sort of debating in my mind whether to ask you because this is quite a it's quite a deep question but i don't know why it's come up but it's just when you were talking about the, the different states of gamma waves is is there any when when you said that you you described the how when certain meditators produce different there's obviously different types of meditators that produce different types of states within the mind yes but is then then in Pacific any of them type of type of um, states that they are achieving in the mind on a, on a sort of a biological level? I don't know if you know this, but do they correlate to any sort of um, changes within a bio, in the biological body? I know that's a deep question. I don't in, know if that's in, your in, uh, in the you mean the biological. So, so you know how we we know that certain um, the certain aspects of the mind that are are related to. Um, certain aspects of the of the physical body like, mm-hmm. there's, there's loads of work now in the field of um in the placebo effect how people mm-hmm. are talking about how certain part when certain parts of the brain can light up it can affect gene expression in the body and things like that mm-hmm. is there any when you is when the certain aspects of their meditators will lighten up like will lighten up were um sort of activating them certain aspects of themselves was there any sort of correlates in terms of like on a neurological level how that could be affecting the body yes was there any yeah, assumptions yeah, made? yes there are some you know very interesting assumptions and you know theories that uh, just suggest you know that meditative uh, uh, people have a healthier brain okay it's a brain that is you know expressing 
more, more sturdy capacity uh, against uh, pathologies of, of the brain. And so uh, that's really, you know, something that is quite, you know, interesting, important uh, because we see this. And that's my assumption as well with the vibrational state. And so um, one of the effects, the secondary effects of gamma uh, waves is that uh, gamma wave uh, allows you to be generally more aware. Uh, it's a condition that induces a, a, a higher level of arousal. It's also conditions that, are, that allow you to have higher binding. What does that mean? Binding means that different areas of the brain, different networks are connecting together. So when you have the ability to achieve higher gamma stage, uh, higher gamma wave in your brain, you are connecting dots and that was, you know, something that is, you know, that is well known today. But it was also something that would be one of the theory to explain consciousness. Because we didn't know how the brain interacts together. You see here, you're sensing that you're seated, you're hearing me. You know, all those airs are different in the brain. How, how do they entangle together to make consciousness possible? Yeah. And they didn't know that. So this is the binding theory. But it's just one theory that has also limitations yeah i love that great great answer again and when you were speaking i wanted to dive a little bit into the vibrational state because that that fascinates me as well what have you uncovered anything interesting about that yes so um what's very interesting about the vibrational states is first of all people so far okay in science peer-reviewed science in journals you know most of the research uh, uh, presents the vibrational state has an hallucinatory condition, okay? And, and that's very peculiar because if it's hallucinatory, it doesn't have a pattern, okay? Hallucination, by definition, is just the entanglement of different areas of your brain that is going to create a vision, uh, hearing, uh, a, a, a percept that is not there. Uh, in reality and so what's happening with that is that what we see with the vibrational state is that it's very very specific not only in terms of the phenomenology uh, but also in terms of you know the brain waves and the correlates that you have so you see a very high peak in gamma wave but as well has a very high peak in delta wave uh, so if it was hallucination you would not have this at every single time because hallucination per se mm -hmm. cannot be that way. You would not have a person say to you, um, induce an, an hallucination right now. You have one minute to induce an hallucination. Can you do that? Mm -hmm. Nobody can. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you are crazy. But more for most of us who are <laughs> on average, you know, uh, borderline maybe, we, we, we can't. And so what's very peculiar is that it's very objective in terms of the state, but it's very objective in terms of the phenomena behind it. And so what we have, what you know, the study has shown is that this is very akin and very similar to post-DMT ingestion. So the vibrational state in itself uh, is very, very similar. The state of the brain express similarities with you know, post-DMT ingestion. Why, so why do you have you have any theories about why it's doing that why is it because like you said i know in in the dmt state you said the out of body experience i've never had an out of body experience to to my understanding anyway but i know that obviously a lot of experience out of body experiences talk about how 
the vibrational state happens before you have a, mm-hmm. a lucid dream. I've experienced it through meditation. I've experienced it through psychedelics and many other states as well. But have you have any theories around why it is doing that? What's the well, impulse? not one that is working anyway. At the present moment, I don't have a working theory that I could you know uh, say that it it it, um, it does uh, explain. Uh, I, I know, condition. I know, I know. That question is throwing you into the wheel. No, know no, no. I mean? But, 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 it, but it's a good question because I think that um, uh, there has been, you know, uh, uh, correlation to, you know, uh, out body experience, near death experience to uh, DMT or endogenous DMT. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and I think we need to address that. Uh, but uh, all the at the current moment, uh, we know that there is a correlation because we see that the vibrational state, the brain of someone in the vibrational state and the brain of someone that does take DMT express similarities. The phenomenology is the same. So there is the person that is going to express a certain types of vibration and some t- with the DMT intake and ayahuasca as well. And they sometimes may express and have the experience of the all body experience and so the same for the vibrational state but it's even more complex than this because now we have a correlation we we don't know what is you know the correlation we don't know what are the uh, molecules what are the neurotransmitters that are associated with that but there is something more here is that as you were saying the vibrations that we are talking about can be expressed in lucid dreaming. Mm. And the, ex- the vibration can also be experienced during uh, isolated sleep paralysis. People who have SP, the sleep paralysis. So sometimes one of the phenomena of sleep paralysis is that they have those vibrations that come spontaneously, mm-hmm. you see? And that's very interesting because we can see, we have a better understanding of what? What is the lucid dream? Even though we... There are lots of limitations in terms of our understanding, neuroscientifically speaking, and in, in terms of you know exactly what happens there uh, in lucid dream. And the same problem with ISP, it's even worse, because we know a little bit better about lucid dream. But now, and that's the research that I'm carrying going forward, is like to try to understand where the vibrational state happened during sleep. And if we can, okay, see, Okay, what are the characteristics that really lead to those experiences of out-body experience so that we can understand better? But we are still very far away, at least I am very far away from a working theory in terms of explanation. I have a certain, you know, uh, uh, theory, but uh, it's too early to tell. Just just to add to that, because I'll throw theory out out there because I'm a bit more loose. but what I was going to say was, um, where you it's very interesting when you're speaking about the vibrational terms in terms of the dream state. I know you were speaking in terms of um, pr- prior to accessing the dream state, people experience these vibrational states. But I've had an experience in a dream where I've also, within the dream, I've, I've experienced the vibrational state. So, for example, is um, I know you're familiar with the dream realm where if you have a lucid dream and you come across a certain dream figure, you can expressed to the dream itself or even ex- expressed through a dream character um show me um ex- can i please experience um pure love mm-hmm. and if you even ask the question to to the dream or a dream figure you will in the dream itself you will have the sensation of the vibrations of what you're explaining here mm-hmm. and through my own meditation when i experience it and when i when i tune into it it seems to be that in some way it's connected to thought to human thought 
so I don't know if you have any theories about how I mean if you think it could be connected to thought and thought is the key to to, to manifest in it you know yeah. I, I, I don't like to talk uh, yes look I, I, we can say that everything is related to thought mm-hmm. okay and the vibrational state itself is not only a spontaneous condition you can learn how to induce it so and that require control control means thought you need to direct your thought you need to direct your uh, ideas the control of a certain uh, perceptions that you have you need to have a very good proprio perception and enteral perception so perception that you have from feelings inside your body because yeah. the vibrations are not just in the skin mm. they are very much inside so uh, that's a condition that is very specific and and so uh, yes it's related to thought but what's interesting about what you're saying is that there are lots of things that we don't understand that yeah. we cannot okay at the present moment really understand so for example you were saying in the lucid dream uh, you ask um, a character to show you um, experience pure love experience pure love how does that work mm. from a neuroscientific perspective that's nonsense okay because how is that possible yeah. because if dreams are a correlate of the brain and look at this and that's very interesting if dreams are very much similar to your experience in the waking state as we are now because dreams are considered you know uh, in terms of brain characteristic very similar to the waking state the only difference is that you are not awake you are dreaming okay so how would you be able to explain that and that's very important for us because you see that in in the field today in the lucid dream not only we don't have a lot of understanding what's happening in the brain not because we don't know where are the areas that are correlated with lucid dream we do know that but the problem there is that we don't have enough statistical power to say and to suggest that that's what's going to happen in 100 people for you to have an idea we have about two uh, studies that were done with fMRI the functional you know uh, uh, imaging you know uh, of, the brain, uh, of the brain of the brain and so that's not enough and some of them are where we've only one volunteer so with one person you cannot have you know very strong statistical power to say and to suggest that that's like this for everyone we may say okay it it has the potential but still we need to explain all those occurrences and that's the problem with the field of lucid dreaming today is that you are coming you see people saying say oh you have a shadow character there that uh, you have to present but how does that work from a neuroscientific perspective because i would like to understand the neuroscientific perspective to understand those things i'm not saying that those things are not true and they don't happen yeah they do uh, absolutely but the f- point is that we don't know how it works in terms of the brain because you have to decide is either the brain doing this because the brain is as i was saying uh, uh correlated to the induction of REM. if you cut that area of the brain that is in the pons an area very specific in in the lower region of the brain below the thalamus the cat is not going to dream anymore so if we are saying that there is a shadow character there during the dream is this a kind of conscious consciousness related condition which you are just out of the body maybe and you express a low level of 
lucidity or is this just you know the peculiarity of the lucid dream and the reality of the brain and how it works it may be the case but i would say it's not explainable from my understanding of how i know lucid dream works and where are the errors associated with you know uh, uh, lucid dream uh, to explain that condition in regards to um i would love to dive into obes now before i forget to go there but because i really want to dive into there um what sort of research have you been doing in the area of OBEs? Because I know, like you said, we prayed this podcast you sent as a picture where I seen the guy was all um, wired up with sort of the neurons yeah, in the yeah, brain yeah. and stuff. I would love to know, and you said as well in the when you sent that across to us, you said that he was a very ex- experienced um, out-of-body experiencer. Yes. Could you sort of explain what you've been doing with yes. that? So uh, the, 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 the research that I have been carrying on uh, from the vibrational state is now moving towards the understanding of uh, subjects that are able to induce out-of-body experience and, uh, and specifically very sp- uh, gifted subject. And, um, and so uh, I, um, uh, I was at the uh, Noetic Institute, uh, Swiss Noetic Institute in, in Switzerland to meet uh, Nicola Fress, is uh, a very gifted you know, uh, uh, subject that has been able to do this at will. And he has been studied already uh, by the uh, Polytechnic Institute of, uh, of, uh, of Switzerland. And what they, they, they analyzed a little bit, you know, the, the result. But this guy is so extraordinary that out of 100 attempts of doing out-body experience, uh, I believe it was like something like more than 80 that he was able to uh, perceive correctly a picture that he didn't have access to, that he didn't know about, in a room that was closed by a bailiff or a lawyer, you know, that was not with the um, uh, the, the the team, the uh, the uh, noetic institute, uh, the science, the, the Swiss Institute of Noetic Science, and uh, and he was after, and 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 they were not as well looking at. Uh, the result. So they were not rating the result. Another person was rating the result. So, uh, look, I mean, how is this possible from a, a, a statistical point of view? It's impossible to guess. You know, he had like I think the database had 400 image. Uh, uh, he he guessed them with accuracy all the time. So what we have been doing is that we have been testing and looking at the brain of this uh, of this person. But unfortunately, I haven't had time yet to look at the data. Oh, really? So, but uh, they get, are- Get it out now. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, but uh, you need time and you need uh, resource for that. But, but the fact is that uh, the um, Swiss Institute of Neurotic Science, they have started doing those same research uh, not only with the electroencephalography, so we were doing those uh, tests with a 128 EEG, they were doing this as well with an fMRI, mm-hmm. so functional you know, uh, uh, um, resonance uh, imagery uh, with very high accuracy. And so uh, preliminary analysis show uh, that he had a lot of occipital uh, activity, specifically in the right occipital area we've increased you know activity there in the alpha uh, uh, range and we've a very strong reduction apparently of you know the frontal stage frontal uh, uh, frontal cortex and so that is a result that in reality is very similar to results that the SPR the uh, Society for Psychical Research had 
uh, done studying uh, Ingo's one. So if you look at the data of you know the research that has been carried in the brain and the capacity of Ingo's one, I don't know if you know him, wow. but he was a very gifted uh, uh, remote viewer and and also you know doing OBE. So he they were you know uh, checking him out, and so that's a little bit the results that they have had. But I think, again, it's very preliminary to tell. But I think that the research going forward needs to look at those people who are really able to do this. Not only, you know, people who are sane, who yeah. are, you know, emotionally sane, uh, 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 but have the ability to do that. Because so far, the research into out-body experience has been mainly associated with uh, pathologies uh, or, you know, with po population, you know, that have express certain types of pathologies like dissociation and others do you have any do you have any theories on why um, certain people can induce that state more than others so like that guy you explained there he could induce this yeah. state at will well yeah first of all he, he didn't come to him like this he was training, training himself training. okay and that's what they have done at the uh, uh, swiss institute of so science built in they were training him you know he had already the capacity and and but they were building that uh, capacity and that's what's very interesting because i believe myself and, and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that we all have this capacity mm, to induce it it's just a question of training so let me give you an example so uh, until 2014 we thought okay that was a rule of science that you cannot influence the nervous system and today we know okay that you can influence objectively with uh, um, with very measurable uh, uh, impact your nervous system. So you can, for example, in the nervous system, increase the neuroprenephrine, you know, uh, 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 which is a molecule that is related to, you know, the, uh, the adrenal glands, uh, uh, and increase your ability to respond to uh, viruses, for example. We know as well there are some studies that shows that uh, for example, you can induce, there are some people uh, that are able to induce goosebumps. You know, when you have that, uh, yeah. you know, those little, you know, the, the air, the hair goes up, yeah. you know, and you feel like those chills. This is something that is related to the nervous system that is associated with a part of the brain that is the uh, thalamus and that you theoretically don't have control to. Are you talking, just to reiterate, just to, um, I think it's important, when you're talking about um, sort of affecting them systems within the body, are you speaking from a terms of, um, from like a practical level, or you mean from a, like thought, from thought? From, from uh, uh, the, the rule in neuroscience, okay, is that you cannot influence okay, aspects right, cool, 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 of right. your nervous system. So uh, uh, the, um, and that's changing. So what I wanted to say that is that we have data today to suggest that we are able to influence that uh, and to influence the, per, the peripheral nervous system. And why is that important? Because I believe that that's part of evolution. We are starting to increase our capacity, the range of our abilities going to the next step. So what, is, what was one thought to be unattainable is today more achievable but just because also we know it's possible. Mm. So I'm more also working and why, you know, I have been working on this because I'm working on theory. I have had this theory since 2005 uh, that explains how out-body experience uh, are induced naturally. Okay. And that's related to the inhibition of the motor system 
uh, in in the body. So what happens when you go, for example, when you are in a, in the REM state, okay, is that there is an inhibition of the motor system, so that when you are um, dreaming that you are running, you are not moving. And I believe that that condition is key to the induction of the out body experience itself. And uh, I've, uh, I'm just now going to publish an article. It's a, just a pre pre preliminary article where I uh, pose it and the theory uh, we've, without entering into much detail, but giving you a little bit, you know, the theoretical assumption uh, that uh, are associated with, uh, with, that, uh, with that condition. That is really interesting. In terms of um, the out-of-body experience, do you have, you have any theories what is going on there in the mind when someone actually has an out-of-body experience? No, it's very difficult yeah. to say at this stage because the, uh, the, I have done a little bit of you know, uh, preliminary you know, research into you know, another subject. And what we have seen is that there is a very specific condition that is called SORAMP. SORAMP is a sleep onset REM. And this was reported by TART in, uh, in a study by uh, Bob Monroe. One of the studies, that, one of the first studies that were done uh, in a lab with you know, uh, gifted subjects were done by Charles Tart, who was a pioneer there. This was in 1967 and 1968. And the study that he had done with, uh, with Bob Monroe uh, indicated that uh, although uh, Bob Monroe, Robert Monroe, didn't, uh, were not able to induce adult body experience, he indicated that he was uh, very much uh, achieving a condition of REM at sleep onset. We never dream. Okay, that's what you know. People need to understand here. There is no physiological correlate associated with dream during the first stage of sleep. You have to wait up to one hour, one hour and a half before dreams happen. Okay, and so what I have seen in this subject is that I was able to correlate and to mimic and to replicate the findings of TART. And so suggesting that the condition, the offset of, or, uh, of the, the, sorry, the onset, the condition of inducing the out-body experience st may start with that condition of uh, sleep onset REM in some cases. When you, when you were saying before about the, how the theory, to find the theory is, is not really enough um, sort of, it's hard, to, it's hard to sort of make assumptions on what is happening in the out-of-body experience. So is the, when you've been, obviously um, from a neuroscience perspective, you've been studying people, is there limitations with that then? Like is the sort of, when you're looking at people, is the, are you finding limitations of things that are just, you can't fathom out? Yeah, look, no, I'm studying the brain, first of all. Yeah. So, uh, and why I'm studying the brain? Because I know very much the phenomenology because I have myself experienced those phenomena yeah. for ages. And I think that, you know, the phenomenology today is better understood. Uh, but we still don't know what's happening to the brain. So the limitations there are the fact that if you are out of the body, if you really are out of the body, there is no way for you to measure that condition out of the body. You can maybe, you know, try to measure the interaction of someone trying to move an object out of the body. Or maybe you can try to see if their manifestation has some type of physical effect, like with light, for example, that you could do. But otherwise, in terms of the phenomenology that happens there, which is really the most interesting thing for most of the people, is your experience. Is what gives you the maturity, a mature vision of life, is what gives you depth 
of you know understanding what's life for what we are here where we are going yeah. uh, and 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 being more mature has a consciousness uh, but what and and that's the limitation because we are not inferring into those conditions we are at the present moment and i think that's why it's so important is that we are inferring uh, into the uh, capacity that we have to induce those states and this is why by the way i've just uh, as you know i've just launched a company uh, gamma waves uh, technologies limited which is which sole objective is really to try to apply neuroscience knowledge to help people induce better be more objective uh, about their own state because that's one of the big problems for example if you talk about you know the vibrational state there are very very little uh, there's very few people that are able to induce this could you describe how that process works because i know a lot of people listen to these podcasts me Mm -hmm. included as well that's a very fascinating thing and loads of people love obviously listen to music and things like that i know a lot of people are really sort of focusing on the emphasis of the effect of sort of sounds on the human mind could you speak about that process yes so the the idea behind uh, what we're trying to do with uh, uh, with uh, gamma wave uh, technology uh, limited is to uh, do a headband uh, that will measure your ability to induce non-ordinary state and specifically we want to uh, uh, we are now we have our third prototype and uh, we are testing the ability to induce lucid dream why lucid dream because lucid dream you know a little bit better uh, what's happening in the brain and through that condition we would like to test other things but that will give you a feedback of the objectivity of your state because that's one of the things that is really interesting about technology is that we use technology but we are so entangled and lost with it that it has lost its meaning what we want is to have technology back in the social life of the person in the emotional life of person we want to have technology helping you not making you less aware making you um, your mind wandering making you less prone to be focused we want the contrary we want to have a headband that will analyze those states like for example meditative state if we compare with you know uh, uh, meditators that have 15 20 years of meditation how do you perform and as well what we are doing is because we want to induce the lucid dreaming lucid dream is very disruptive when you start uh, in your life to study and to practice all body experience and lucid dream you will have a, a, a pattern of sleep that may be a little less uh, um, uh, structure which is very important for sleep so what we are doing as well is that we are using the technology to improve your deep sleep so when you are in deep sleep that's the moment in, in during sleep where during one hour about one hour it can be less can be half an hour one hour a little bit more you are in deep sleep and that moment there it's very important for the brain's recovery okay for your ability to uh, uh, um, have better memory your ability to increment your immune system to de- to enhance your cognitive cap- capacity but also to be more um, energized during the day so if you have less deep sleep your brain is going to function less and and so that's why we are using those this headband to try to help you to induce different states that are going to be beneficial for your uh, your life your health your well-being your consciousness on a, on a sort of on, on a sort of a visual level 
um, when you are sort of obviously inducing gamma waves on, on, on a subject or something, is there any parts of the brain that are, that are, are lighting up in, in, in very interesting ways? No, no. Gamma wave in itself can happen in any area of the brain, even oh, wow. the deeper areas of the brain. So, for example, we're talking about, you know, this area that's called the pons, which is just below the thalamus. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for example, you can have, okay, gamma wave coming from, from there. But you have gamma wave in the front, in the temporal lobe, in the occipital, in the parietal lobe. So it seems to be affecting everything. But what happens is that those gamma waves are uh, uh, subjected to a specific type of thought. So, for example, when you have gamma wave mostly in the uh, occipital area, you may have access to visual perception in a much more accurate way, so more concentration. Um, but it, it's never like, you know, hey, it's one area that has more... Uh, as far as I know, no, it doesn't work that way. When you were speaking before about inducing lucid dreams, have you ever seen that? It was sort of a viral thing that was going around Facebook where there was like a headset where it supposedly had assumptions that it would, um, if people put it on, it would induce Songs lucid, or lucid dreams. Noise or I'm not too sure what it was. It was just like sort of like a, it looked like a virtual reality headset. Yeah. And I just seen it going around and because, seeing that I couldn't. Increase. Yeah, because um, uh, Stephen Laberge, you know, one of the you know father of the study of yeah. uh, lucid dream, yeah. he had what was called the Nova Dreamer. But this was kind of uh, uh, somehow, you know, a little bit old. It was like I don't remember. It was like 1985, 1995, something like this. So the Nova Dreamer was a kind of a mask. Yeah. that would detect when your eyes would be moving which is REM rapid yeah, eye yeah. movement and then it would send some lights yeah that's what it okay. is I think it works on that system so, so that system was the effectiveness of that system wasn't great okay uh, but now what happens is that when you because there are different ways and different levels of effectiveness of the different about the, the, if you look at all the techniques, basically, they have different levels of effectiveness. So that condition of light induction have a, a, a relative you know, effectiveness, but it's mostly disruptive. And a lot of the problem is that you know, it wakes people up. Uh, but what they are doing now, okay, there are other companies that they, what they are doing is that they are trying to do uh, the condition of trying to prep you for lucid dreaming and at the same time uh, recognize when you are in REM dream and send those lights. So this seems, I mean this, by the way, no, it doesn't seem, it's research shows that combining both condition of the prepping, you trying to uh, thinking, uh, trying to remember, trying to think about that before sleeping, and those, you know, lights uh, will help you achieve that better. But what we want to do is to uh, apply neurostimulation directly to the brain. Because, again, it comes to the fact, one simple fact is that we as a species, okay, we are not very evolved. You can find someone that has been trying to do lucid dreaming for 20 years. We need tools to help ourselves develop get the trick get the starter yeah so this is why we need technology for this because if you have someone that during 20 years okay is trying is not achieving there is a problem we 
It, the, can technology help? We don't want the, you, you to be dependent on technology. Yeah. We want this to be a trigger, something that can help you to achieve those conditions. And it's the same for our body experience. I know people, I have known a guy that, that he read more than 200 books. He was trying, 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 he's not achieving. So what's the problem? Can technology help? Or is it because all those techniques that old people are talking about, they're not effective enough because they don't understand exactly what's happening. We don't know exactly what's happening in the brain. We don't know exactly what are the best trigger or what is the best, best trigger for you or for me because we are different people. Yeah, really good stuff there, by the way. Do you foresee, though, and just to, to sort of throw it out there, do you foresee in the... I know you're speaking there about the importance of creating the using the technology as the bridge to give people the, 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 the sort of the ignition start to do it. As you said, it was good analogy. Do you? That's, do you that, by the way, that's yeah. something that uh, Nikola Tesla said. He oh, really? said, "Look, we need to have technology for the people. It's not technology for a well-being and having comfort, uh, and uh, and it's good. Yeah. I mean, for health, technology is there. For you know, our comfort, it's important. Yeah. We are." you know in a condition where you know we benefited from this but i think that we are at the tipping point where technology has become a problem rather than a solution and we see this we have access to information but people are not able to analyze information people are not able to concentrate people are not able to yeah. correlate facts people are not able to make association of ideas so there is a problem is that we are not using technology as we should and i think those technologies that are disruptive they are disruptive because they biohack. They allow you to biohack yourself. Without, to doing, without doing the real work. But, but that's not... Look, the problem is, is, is the following. If you are 20 years, okay, trying and not succeeding, then there is a problem. The problem is limitation. You have to learn how to walk before you want to run. Yeah. So can your... Can the, the, your mom help you? You know, those, <laughs> those things that help you, yeah, yeah. you know, to stay, you know, put. Yeah. Your dad, when you were, you know, having, you know, bicycle, your first bicycle, did you use the, the, the wheels on a... Stabilize, on, on? yeah. So, yeah, why do you do this? Because it helps you, yeah, it preps you to do something better with more aptitude. So that's what we want. That's what yeah. technology is for. Technology is not for us to be dependent. It's for us to help uh, be the better version of ourselves. So, from a um, some from a, I'm gonna actually read this properly. Wait, there, two sentences. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Oh, I've got like ten questions in my mind, but I'm trying to like weird up thinking. <laughs> Should I ask you the ask you the ten question or not? Because I need respect for all of your time as well. Um, I think that's what I'm gonna end on this question here. I'm gonna ask you from uh, sort of from a, like a science perspective. In from a, sorry from a new um, a neuroscience perspective, do you? Have you have any theories what you feel will be sort of revealed in the future in regards to the, the nature of the self and consciousness? Um, no, to tell you the truth, no, because I think the nature of the self and, you know, consciousness is, and we are very far away from understanding this, you know. Uh, I think I am more, you know, grounded into trying to look what's beyond. Uh, what's beyond at the present moment is to try to understand better for example things that we can have access to like for example the vibrational state you see the vibrational state is key to our understanding of the out body experience and it's not being studied so we need to understand this because it's not explained by science and science says oh it's an hallucination it cannot be an hallucination 
Well, we've, you know, the data that I have at the present moment, we are just showing that it's not an hallucination. So if it's not an hallucination, what it is? We need to understand what that is. And through that, maybe we will have a window of opportunity to try to understand all those states. Lucid dream, where the vibrational state is perceived. ISP, isolated sleep paralysis, where this is perceived. And then we can expand our understanding. But from there, of course, we'll have a better understanding of what we were saying in the beginning of the podcast, which is this condition of interrelation of consciousness interacting in the brain because that's what's happening we are using this as a biosuit we are our consciousness has the capacity to modulate to uh, um, change the structure you come with a genetic base but that's not who you are you are much more and that's also by the way you know what's the experience of out-body experience is uh, uh, is like for someone that has had a little bit more of experience of it because it's not just something that allows you to explore reality or to have fun and to fly but it also gives you a much deeper vision of life but there is another thing and we were discussing a little bit about this which is you know the maturity that mm. that gives you because you start joining the dots yeah. you start to think with, in a different way your brain starts to think to work in a different way we were talking about gamma waves. Gamma waves is what binds the brain. You know, different networks are binding yeah. together. So you make association of ideas. What about someone that is able to induce that state more often? What's happening to the brain of that person? Mm. Does that help you, enhance you in any way, shape and form to understand better, to make correlation, to find new ideas that will revolutionize the way people see, think, uh, behave? In any area, uh, if you are a musician, if you are a painter, if you are you know, an engineer, because that's what we want. We want, I believe, at this stage of revolution, to prep our ability to think better, to be more conscious, having that condition that we were talking about, not with the egocentric condition of the scientist that is very rational and very ego and go century, but that ability to have to be non-dual, mm -hmm. to express a condition of that where uh, non-egocentrism or ego selflessness is, mm -hmm. you know, uh, 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 expressed, uh, because a lot of the things that are happening today in our life, uh, in our society, is what is ego. Ah, I want to stay in Europe. I don't want to stay in Europe. Oh, it's Britain. It's us. It's against them. Yeah. No. We are all the same as one planet. Yeah, I love that. Well, I think we should leave it there as well. <laughs> what a f I'm going to swear. What a fucking podcast. <laughs> Jesus. Well, thank you for this. Mind blown. Thank you. Boom. We are just was scrapping. That was that good or was that good? We are just scrapping oh, the surface. Boom, boom, boom. Now, come on. That was an absolute beast of a podcast, to say the least. Great conversation. Really love sitting down with um, Rodrigo there, really was an interesting mind, thank you so much for tuning in the podcast as always, I love you all, and if you can guys, find it in your heart, check out the Patreon page, or the one-off donation option, These they are the best ways to support the podcast, and help me to keep doing what I'm doing, and bringing you the most amazing conversations on the planet, and just to play this conversation out as I always do, this is a bit of an upbeat one, it's a song called When We Were Young, by a group called the Wild called the wild wild i think they called but anyway enjoy this song it really is a cool one 
and I will catch you in a few days from now where I have another amazing podcast as always. Next podcast I'll be putting out will be Anthony Peak, where we explore the mysteries of the hidden universe and I also want to do another Observe My Thoughts like I mentioned in the intro where I talk about this this huge awakening that is happening on the planet. Peace out people, keep seeking, I love you all.